Good morning, Village Church Saints, <laughs> visitors, guests, members, early comers, late comers. We welcome you to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and glorify Jesus at all times. And our vision is broken people coming together and extend Jesus' love. Welcome. There's information for visitors out there, information cards. We welcome you, guests today. Um, Happy New Year. It's a new year. Uh, everybody's looking be- looking forward to something better than this past year or two, hopefully. Um, got a special treat today. We welcome back our senior pastor, Alex Shipman after six months sabbatical. And I want him, Alex, Wakita, Madison, and Tracy, come up and stand so everybody can see you, know who you are, introduce yourself. Uh, this is Wakita Shipman, Alex's wonderful wife. That's Alex, Tracy, Madison. This is their kids, younger kids, Madison and Tracy. Welcome back to the Village Church. We look forward to hearing from you next week after the worship service. Welcome. Okay. Welcome back. Let's go. Okay. Good to have them back. Um, just a reminder, the nursery is open for those that need the nursery and want to use the nursery. And at the Village Church, we believe the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give online, plate in the back, or mail a check to the Village Church on Virginia Boulevard. Um, and for more announcements, I won't belabor that. I think you all can read on the back of the bulletin if you have one. If not, there's still some out there. Uh, there's several information notes there about uh, next week or two activities and village groups and corporate prayer. So make those available. Uh, you see those, and if you have any questions, concerns, uh, you can talk to one of the elders, or you can talk to Alex. <laughs> okay, that'll be good. Um, yeah, I think that's the announcement. Anybody think anything else I've forgotten? Somebody, somebody. Okay, welcome again to the Village Church. Um, Happy New Year. And let's praise God to get be, be thankful. I think for a new year, we can come together on a day like this, as His people together, to worship and praise Him and give glory to Him um, for all He's done and that He's doing in our lives, in our community, in our world. Let's give praise together today as we worship Him. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Y'all know I like sunny days and it's kind of gloomy outside. We're going to praise the Lord anyway. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to share a 
Um, one has become in the past year or two one of my favorite verses with you um, as we prepare. Just take a few moments to prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. And my one of my favorite verses comes from um, the book of Psalms, Psalm 512. But I'll read a couple of verses right before that, and then I'll stop and tell you this is my favorite one. Okay. So verse 11 um, says, Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. And verse 12 says, For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. I love, 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 love that verse. You surround them with your favor as a shield. So let's just take a few moments as we have come to the habit of doing to just go before the Lord and think about his goodness. Uh, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. Cast your cares at his, at, at his feet knowing that he cares for you. stand with me.
good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Our call to worship this morning is taken from the um, hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Please join with me where it notes congregation. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before you. That's beautiful. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Amen. Before there was life, you were seated on high. From there you spoke time, and we were already on your mind. Can't explain your love without performance. You call us your own, couldn't afford it. With your blood you bought our freedom. Can't explain your love. performance you call us your own couldn't afford it with your blood you brought our freedom can't explain your love ruler of everything worthy of all that we could bring you are great Jehovah
of faith in the Heidelberg Catechism and this was written over 450 years ago and this is one of the longest sentences as an answer I've ever seen in the Catechism <laughs> so, so we have to, the words are important um, and the question is what is true faith and I think we have to distinguish true faith from faith that's just a hope or a wish that we hope for without any foundation or faith and whatever will be, will be kind of thing. What is true faith? So I'll ask the question and respond with the answer, which is on overhead. Okay, so the question is, and this long sentence is the answer, so focus on the words. What is true faith? True faith. Sure knowledge. other words, God had to intervene. He gives knowledge. He gives the Holy Spirit. None of this came from us. It came from Him by His grace alone. We give thanks for that, that we have forgiveness. We have uh, new life in Him for a new year. Amen. Today's uh, scripture reading comes from John, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. 
Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who drew the who, who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This the first of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Amen.
worship you. Please join me in a word of prayer. Lord, we worship you, the living God, the holy God, the only God. Lord, help us to yield our hearts to you from the youngest child to the oldest saint here in the hearing of our words. Because we can't do it all of ourselves. We yield, but Lord, we need your help to help us yield appropriately. Um, in accordance with your will. Lord, we pray for our world. We ask that you send harvesters into your field. We pray for our nation. And we ask that you help us, help the church, your church here in the United States, to be welcomers uh, to the stranger, particularly the Afghan that you brought nearly 80,000 Afghan evacuees to our shores. Lord, grip the hearts of your church and help us to welcome these individuals so that some would yield to your leading, to your spirit. Lord, we thank you for our pastoral staff and leaders and the congregation, the members that make up our congregation. And we pray for your grace for your provision, for your wisdom, and your healing 
uh, many in our congregation, our families, our friends suffer with many illnesses. And Lord, we submit them to you and ask for your healing. And like the uh, young men in Nebuchadnezzar's court, Lord, we know that you can heal. But our faithfulness, our, our, our loyalty is to you regardless of what you do. Because we know that you love us and that your wisdom exceeds our own. Lord, we uh, thank you for bringing our pastor back from his sabbatical. Uh, we ask blessings on his family. We ask blessings on uh, Amos and his family as they recover from illness. And, Lord, we ask for blessings on Mockers and his family as he prepares to bring our word today and that you just uh, uh, allow them to prosper. Um, now that they are settled here in this new city, as their family continues to grow and, and he completes his ministry in seminary, we bless you and we thank you. Amen. guys hear me well out there? Good. Well, good morning, Village family, and Happy New Year. Did everyone have a good holiday? Good, good. Now, um, this is our first, this is my family's first New Year here in the Huntsville area, and nobody told me that I'd have to be dodging tornadoes while I was up here. So, um, you know, didn't, didn't sleep as soundly as I wanted to last night. I don't know about you guys, but um, I grew up in Kansas City, so I'm used to tornadoes. And we just came here from Mobile. And in Mobile, we have hurricanes. But the big difference between the hurricane and the tornado is the hurricane comes with an RSVP. And the tornado does not. You know, so when the hurricane's coming, you have plenty of warning. You know what's going on. Tor the tornado comes, and, well, you're just eating dinner, and it sounds like there's a train outside. So... We got to experience our first real tornado here in Huntsville last night, so I guess we're officially Huntsville um, residents now, right? So this is our first Sunday of the year, and I thought it wise for us to look at Jesus' first miracle. Amen? So we're going to dig into this text in John 2, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to look at how Jesus starts his miracles in his ministry. Um, I think that's a perfect text for the beginning of the year. It's this wedding party, and I like to tag this text, a wedding party experiences Jesus. And, I, and, it, and, and it's my hope that through this sermon that we will find ways that throughout this new year we can also experience Jesus just as this wedding party did. Amen? So let's look at this text. It's John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And it says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to, them, to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish rites of purification, 
each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples and they stayed there for a few days. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again to say thank you. Thank you for being our God and thank you for allowing us to be your people. Father, let your people receive a word from you and let us all dig deeply into your word and find what you have for us. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's start with recapping this this scripture real quick, right? Everyone knows this story. I don't know how many times that I've heard it. I've been church in all my life. And I feel like I always hear this story of, well, Jesus turned water into wine, right? And it's so interesting because usually we throw that out there, but we never really dig into what this story really means and what's actually happening here when Jesus decides to turn this water into wine. And when I first read through this story, preparing to preach this sermon for the first time, I didn't think there was a lot here because I didn't think any deeper than Jesus turned water into wine. But when you really start to realize the context of what's happening in this scripture, there's a lot going on here. Amen? And I think it's a perfect way for us to start our year by looking at this first miracle that Jesus does and realizing all the things that he does for his people, sometimes without them even knowing. And as we transition from 2021 into 2022, I hope that God continues to do things for his people without us even knowing. Amen? So here in this story, we see Jesus performing the first sign, his first miracle. And I love how simple this story is because to me it signals that, that, that it must be true, right? It's not elaborate. It's not bold. It's not some over-the-top retelling. It's a really simple, really short story, right? It's not grand, And it isn't even in front of a really big audience, you know. If I had that type of power and I could do miracles like that, I think I would have done it differently, right? I think in my own grandioseness, I would have been on a big stage and the water would have have fell down from the skies and everyone's glasses would have filled up and it would have been this miraculous thing, right? But Jesus doesn't operate like that. So this eyewitness account, in my opinion, it must have some truth to it because it's so simple, right? It's at a wedding in a small village near where Jesus would have grown up. Mary was there, which makes it easy to understand why Jesus would have been on the guest list, right? And he must have known these people because they wouldn't have invited some random stranger to this wedding feast, right? But they do not know him fully. Not yet. 
Weddings at this time in the ancient Near East were a big event. A wedding celebration could last a week, right? And the financial responsibility for this wedding um, would have laid with the groom, unlike uh, in our culture today, right? So the groom's family would have been the one putting on this big feast for everyone to, to, to come to. I remember my wedding when my wife and I got 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 married. It seems like it was yesterday. It was down at the beach, um, down in Gulf Shores, and it stormed the night before, just like it did last night, right? And we were planning this this small, intimate beach wedding, and and I thought to myself, it's it's going to be ruined. There's there's so much rain coming through. It's going to be terrible. Everything seemed to go wrong. Um, we we booked this date, and it was at the same time as the Hangout Fest. Anybody know what Hangout Fest is? If if you're from down near the beach, Hangout Fest is the biggest festival, one of the biggest festivals in the nation, and it happens on Gulf Shores. The entire beach is all booked out. All these artists show up, and we unknowingly booked our wedding that same weekend. So there were no hotels. There was nowhere to go. And it rained, right? So think about how in, in our culture, we always want weddings to go well, right? Now, our wedding turned out great. It was beautiful. It was such a, it was such a wonderful day. And none of, those, none of those hurdles that we came up against before our, our wedding really made too much of a difference on the end result. But in ancient Near East culture, for a wedding to run out of anything and for there to be any problem like what we faced at our wedding would have been a dreadful embarrassment, right? It's a culture of shame and guilt for these ancient Near East people. And for a wedding party to run out of wine would have been probably one of the worst things that could possibly happen to them, right? The shame and the guilt of that would have spread across the, in, the entire area. Everyone would have known that they did a wedding and they didn't have enough wine. That would have been the worst thing that could have happened to them. It would have been shame on the family and they would have looked at the husband as, as if he couldn't provide. Mm. So that's the situation that we're placed in in this setting. And Mary asked Jesus to do something to fix this problem because this is a big problem. It's a big deal, right? For this wedding party to run out of wine is a huge deal. It's interesting because at this point in time, Mary probably has not seen Jesus do any miracles, right? This is his first one. So she's likely not asking him to do something that's amazing and over the top, but just leaning on her oldest son's resourcefulness because in ancient Near East culture, that's what a mother would have done. She would have leaned on her oldest son to fix whatever the problem was. Some commentators think that um, by this time, Joseph had already died and that Mary would have been looking to Jesus to provide. Right? So this is where the plot starts to thicken. They're at a wedding. A major problem happens, and Mary turns to Jesus. Jesus responds to his mother and says in verse 4, What does this have to do with me? It's not yet my time. And Mary, like any mother, expects Jesus to do something. Right? I, I told you to fix it. 
right? So without saying anything else to Jesus, Mary turns to the servants and tells them, do whatever Jesus tells you. That's verse 5. Now Jesus gets to work, verse 6. He takes these stone jars that were meant for cleaning and purifying. Now these jars would have been massive, right? This isn't, and I, every time that I've read this story previously, I, I thought this was just like, you know, one little cleansing bowl. No, this, these would have been massive stone jars. He tells them to fill them all the way to the brim and then draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. The master of the feast would have been like a maitre d' at a fancy restaurant. He would have been like the head waiter, right? He would have been the one that was responsible for keeping everything in order, right? And the master, verse, verse 9 and 10, the master has a taste of this dirty water that was now turned into wine and says to the groom, everyone serves the good wine first. When people are drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. So, Now let's look at this text and see what Jesus is showing his people, his disciples, and ultimately what Jesus is showing us to help make us believe. First point, I'm going to give you three points and then I'm going to sit down. I I was joking earlier with with, um, Alex and I told him, uh, you know, I'm just going to give you all my Easter speech. I don't really have a full sermon for you. I'm just going to give you my Easter speech and then I'm going to sit down, all right? So three points. Point number one, Jesus came to bring joy. Amen? Why would he make his first miracle wine for a wedding party? His first sign was to solve a social dilemma, to fix this potential embarrassment and to erase the shame and the guilt that would have come along with it. Let me say that again because I think you missed it. His first miracle was to erase the shame and the guilt that would have come along with this problem. Amen? to bring joy, and he made a lot of it. Amen? Let's think about how much wine that is. An average bottle of wine is about 25 ounces, right? So a gallon of wine would have been about five bottles, right? These were 30-gallon jars. That's 153 bottles. He did it six times with six jars. That's 920 bottles of wine. That's a lot of joy. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Listen to that. Jesus gave so much. When 10 bottles of wine could have solved the problem, he made 920. He comes to bring joy and a lot of it. Amen? So not only did he make more wine, but he made the best wine. So he made 920 bottles of the best wine. Amen? He is the best MC. Jesus is the best master of the feast. Jesus throws the best party you could ever come to. The thing that I love about my job with RUF is that I get to throw parties for college students so they get to come and know Jesus, right? And this is an easy text to show them that Jesus throws the best party. He comes to bring joy and a lot of it. So much so that it can erase the shame and guilt that comes along with our problems. Amen? Isaiah 25 and 6 says this, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, 
a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged well of aged wine well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all their faces. And the reproach of his people will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be on this day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. He's the best MC. Amen? He's the best master of the feast. He is the one that will provide. Look at how he shows that to his people here. Jesus came to bring joy, and he came to provide. Amen? Joy follows fellowship. He brings joy by being in relationship. He brought that joy because he was connected to those people. Amen? He's the best bridegroom. He's the best relationship. That was point number one. Jesus came to bring joy. Point number two. Jesus came to purify. Listen to this. Why would he use what he used? Jesus tells them to fill these jars, right? These ceremonial washing jars that according to Jewish law in the ancient Near East, each jar would have held 30 gallons and this likely would have been used for cleaning, right? For cleaning the hands and cleaning the feet of, of, of the people that came into the feast and then cleaning the, uten- the utensils that would have been used to prepare the food and to clean the animals that would have been slaughtered for the food, right? So these 30-gallon jars likely weren't full, right? And they were likely dirty. So let's think about this thing. The party's already going, right? And they've already run out of wine. So they would have already used up all the clean water. So the water that was left would have been dirty, filthy, right? And Jesus has them fill these jars all the way to the brim where there's no room left for anything else. And then he takes what they were using to purify and fills it up with wine, nearly a thousand bottles. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus take an unclean vessel, fill it up, and then make it new? He makes the best wine from the thing that was not clean. He rescues this wedding party from their problem. Without them even knowing, he comes in and redeems them from the thing that would have brought them guilt and shame. Amen? Again, in this society, guilt and shame would have been a huge problem. And look at what Jesus does here. He's the ultimate redeemer. He takes this dirty, unclean vessel, fills it all the way to the brim so there's no room for anything else, and then he makes it the best. Amen? Can you see how Jesus is revealing himself to these people? He's not just turning water into wine. He's showing them who he really is. So we know that we need to be purified. Amen? And we know that we need to be washed and we need to be cleaned. 
And we know that Jesus has come that we may be made clean, that we, a dirty vessel, can be filled up to the brim so that there's no room for anything else. And then Jesus can take us and turn us into the best thing. Amen? So what has Jesus revealed so far here? He came to bring joy. That was the what. He's the best master of the feast. He's the best bridegroom. Here's the how. He came to purify, right? By filling us up and redeeming us from the guilt and the shame. Now why? Jesus came, this is, this is point three if you're taking notes. Jesus came to manifest glory and make us believe. Amen? Verse 12. This is his first sign Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed him. This is the first time in the text that we see the disciples believe, truly believe in who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do and how he does it. One commentary puts it like this. The words, my time has not come yet, is the first of nine references to Jesus' hour, right? And this significant theme in the gospel. The first three references indicate that Jesus' hour had not come yet. The last six indicate that it had come. The hour towards which everything moves is the hour of Jesus' glorification, which takes place through his death, resurrection, and exaltation. Bearing in mind Jesus' response to his mother appears to have confronted her with the news that he was now acting only according to his father's timetable. His eyes were fixed on his hour. Even though he went on to fulfill her implied request. At this wedding, at this particular time, that Jesus first begins to look beyond what's immediate and look towards his death, towards his hour, towards his time. Tim Keller says it this way. This is what made the disciples foolish. They could only see and look at Jesus' life and couldn't see the things that he did in life were all focused on his death. Jesus' life made him an example. It was the praxis. It was the good things to do. But his death made him a savior. Amen? It made him godly. He did what we could not do. He filled us up. He redeemed us from our shame and guilt. He has come to fill us. Amen? He has come to save us. And he has come to take our place. Jesus came to replace all of the things of this old system of religion. No more sacrifices, no more purifying, no more inner court and outer court. He came to be the lamb without blemish. God became flesh to pay the price for us. There is no forgiveness without suffering. And that's why he came. He came to change everything. And look at how he does it. It's not in the way that the system is lined out to be. Some, some say it this way, that, that, that God's kingdom is upside down. Right? He brings the best wine last. He makes the best thing out of what's dirty and unclean. 
He takes broken, dirty vessels and fills them up and makes them clean again. Everything that he does in this text shows you exactly who he is and exactly how he's come to change things. Amen? He's come to fill us up. He's come to save us. He's come to take our place. First Peter says it this way, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. You, for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus came so that we can believe in him. Amen. He came to bring joy. That was the what? He's the best master of the feast. He's the best bridegroom. He came to purify. That was the how. By redeeming us from our guilt and shame. Amen. And then he came so that we might believe and put our faith and our hope in God and in God alone. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for coming. Thank you for sending Jesus to fill us up and to take the unclean, broken vessel that we are and fill us till there's no room for anything else. And then not only fill us, but purify us and make us clean and make us new and make us the best that we could possibly be. We know, Father, that in this new year that we cannot do that on our own and that we need a Savior who became flesh, died for our sins, was wounded for our transgressions, but rose again so that we may be made whole. Father, thank you for your son, and thank you again for allowing us to be your people. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in peace.